The Start On Demand. I got stuck in the snow on Monday night. Thankfully, though, friendly Manitoba lives up to its name as a good Samaritan comes to the rescue. Kelly Moore, though, with a surprising view on those without winter tires. Did you know the Winnipeg Humane Society offers grief support? If you're dealing with the loss of a beloved pet, the Humane Society is here to help. A Manitoba driver listening to Kickstart My Heart should not have kickstarted their speed so much. The RCMP made sure they paid for it. I'm Brett McGarry. Alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, we are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb, and this is the Tuesday podcast for The Start. Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. Remember last week, guys, when I said I needed Leafy Greens stat? Mm-hmm. Well, I did I did feed myself said Leafy Greens. Boiled cu- lettuce? <laughs> no, no boiled lettuce. Oh. No. <laughs> I should just try it. Mm-hmm. Just try it. No, you shouldn't. But uh, I did that for a couple of days, but then that went away. And yesterday I had leftover pizza for lunch and then three heaping piles of pasta for dinner. And now I feel like a Remax balloon. Like I could just float away at any given second here. Feel <laughs> you, you might not want to fly that balloon this morning. <laughs> it is. It's going to be it's windy right now, and it's going to be worse. We're going to hear from Mike Conkin, Global Weather Specialist at 615, that blowing snow advisory is gone. Yeah, but the carbs you loaded up on would be good for the cold that's coming, like a nice insulation. That's the consolation of gaining weight in winter, that you're doing it for just... The pure scientific warmth that will come with it. Pure survival, yes, perhaps. Exactly. That's a great way to look yes. at it, uh, as opposed to just feeling like a beached whale. Yes. Or Every a time bear you step on the scale, be like, I'm saving myself here from a possible hypothermic <laughs> situation. <laughs> and just go with that. You know what a better way to do that, though, Loren, is to not go outside in your pajamas at 8:30 at night. That's what I did what last night. What were you night. doing? What I, were you thinking? I just went out to move my car from the street. It was at my girlfriend's, stayed the night, went out to move my car from the street to the back parking lot, a couple of spots in the back of the lot where I'm allowed to park. And the lot hadn't been plowed yet. And it was the same lot I was in the morning before where I was, I feared I would have a hard time getting out. But as it turned out, it was okay. It was pretty easy to get out because the snow like it was so mild yesterday morning so the snow even though it was thick and it was messy it was pliable and it was grippy grippy but, yeah i would say it was grippy oh, so much science being dropped here yes i know it's a it's a i think it's part of the new curriculum in the faculty <laughs> of science at the u of m but last night it had started to freeze up and it was a lot thicker and denser or whatever and i pulled into the parking lot and i just i felt i got to the spot but I thought, I'm not going to be able to get out of this. I, I kind of panicked, so I backed up. And as soon as I backed up, of course, I got stuck. So I moved forward. I started to rock the car back and forth. I was able to get some momentum, but I kept getting stuck. So I tried to, to turn the car. I don't know why I, I did this. And I just drove it straight into like a foot of snow. And I got <laughs> stuck immediately. And I, I, I thought I could push it out. Like I got out, put it in a neutral, started to rock the car a little bit. Almost had it on my own. But By yourself? I could, you were yeah. doing that? Yeah. Couldn't quite, like, and I wasn't pushing, I wasn't straining myself, but I was just kind of pushing it a little bit to try to build up that momentum where eventually you can just kind of give it a heave and get it out of that rut. But uh, I needed the aid of a good Samaritan named Kenny, who was parking his car. He came over and gave me a hand, and uh, my girlfriend came down and helped as well. I was embarrassed that I needed uh, her help. Can we talk about the girlfriend for a second? Am I allowed to bring up 
Not this, well, I, you know, yeah. In, this, if people are following you on Instagram, okay. can I just ask them to go check out your photo you posted yesterday and they can tell me whether or not they think this may or may not have been... An engagement an picture. Engagement yeah. Picture. yeah. I know it wasn't, <laughs> but I want them to tell me when they first look at it, yes or no, did you think this may be an engagement photo? Because I sure did. As soon as you showed it to me this morning, yep, absolutely. I could see why you would have thought that. Yeah. I don't mean to derail the snow clearing story, but let's just get right down to brass. No. Well, hey, I was out for a walk yesterday in the Tache Promenade at uh, the St. Boniface Belvedere, the new fancy lookout that they have. It's really nice. But uh, so we took a picture. Because it was a beautiful day, and I didn't even think about this. Yeah, you know, we had took the selfie, and she put her hand on my chest, and and uh, McNabb texts me later saying, "Did you get engaged?" Like what? Well, he's texting all afternoon with different story ideas, and all of a sudden I'm like, "Wait a minute! Like I don't care about that story idea. Who we have calls out to for Tuesday? Is this an engagement?" I had to look twice. Well, and the GF's hand is sort of splayed right. open, right on. Like Brett's I, zo- I, if you, very, if I could have zoomed in, I would have. Yeah, very, very, very uh, well constructed chest. Oh. and of course, uh, that was the first thing I thought <laughs> when you showed that to me. Oh my word! <laughs> Brett's keeping secrets from us again. Yeah, I, and I, I, of course, me being a dumb boy, I never would have even thought of it. And then, so I told her this because mm-hmm. uh, I'm sitting on the couch laughing at this text that McNabb saying, "Did you get engaged?" And I'm laughing, and she says, "What are you laughing at?" Uh, McNabb thinks that uh, that we got engaged, and she says, "I knew it! I knew I should have <laughs> taken my hand off from your chest." I I didn't even think of it. So yeah, I I, I wondered why I got so many likes, and it's probably because people think we got engaged. We did not get engaged. What's your Instagram handle again? Just to, I want someone to just back me up. Besides at, Greg, at Brett McGarry, B R E T T M E G A R R Y. Feel free to give me a follow there. You can also follow at GMACWPG at McNabb. On CJOB, and of course, you can follow at 680 CJOB. Have you ever seen this tip about getting unstuck? This yeah, just I came just in from Tim. That. Pour windshield washer fluid on your tires if you get stuck. Helps. I'll try that, Tim. I I think it was it wasn't so much. I think there was just too much snow underneath the car from where I turned into. It was just a bad move on my part. It was a panic mistake. I wasn't thinking, and I let my emotions get carried away, and I got stuck. Are you driving around with washer fluid in your car at all times? I usually am, but you Are know you? what happens? You know what happens when you go into the trunk or into the back of the SUV? You think you've got half a jug of washer fluid? You have none because the <laughs> container is so brutal, it leaks all over the place. Oh, God. Right? And, uh, yeah, well, I have a long story about my idea to rectify that, but I won't go into that at the moment. But, yes, I try to always have an extra jug of windshield washer fluid in my hmm. in my vehicular I'd like to hear that story, though, on how to rectify that sometimes. So can we put a pin in that, as they say? Let's do that. I, around 8.30, was staying at my girlfriend's. I went outside to move my car from the street into the parking lot, and I got stuck because I pulled in and realized I'm, I don't think I'm going to be able to get out of this lot tomorrow morning. So I tried to back out, and I got myself stuck Good Samaritan named Kenny came to my aid. My girlfriend also came down to my aid. They were able to push us out. I said, well, why don't you get, I asked her, why don't you get in and drive and I'll push. And she said, no, I'll push. And within like five seconds, they were able to push me out. I just needed a nudge. But it was, you know, Kenny had food in his car. He'd gone to pick up food and he stopped to come help me twice. He helped (laughs) me push me out 
I got moving and then he had to come help me again. So I just wanted to say thanks to Kenny and uh, I I was kind of hoping that maybe this was karma repaying me because I always try to help people if I see they're stuck. Greg, I would imagine you're the kind of person who would do that as well. Yeah, I try to. I try to do that. Absolutely. And yesterday, similar thing happened to me. I got my driveway about two thirds cleared off yesterday morning, at mostly because I have two cars in the driveway, mm-hmm. Lorenzo. So I don't have the, as much because snow there's no room in, in the garage in the driveway to shovel. <laughs> because so. you don't clean out your garage. What <laughs> <laughs> a hammer, him, McNabb. What a hammer. Him. But I could see out of the corner of my eye, and audibly across the street, my neighbor Kevin had his snow thrower out so I slowed down my pace of work just a tiny little bit <laughs> in hope that Kevin might come across the road with his snow thrower and sure enough he, he helped me with the heavier parts and then I went across took my scraping shovel you know the big yeah. plow shovel and went and cleared up after him so you know and then Kevin went and did my neighbor Kenny uh, ironically enough uh, did his driveway so you know when things are at their worst we're pretty good to each other yeah, when, I remember when I was a teenager in Altona, we would sometimes get in my buddy's pickup truck during a snowstorm and just drive around town looking for people who are stuck. Oh, wow, good three, uh, three or four strapping young lads would, while well, we're all really was, skinny little wiener kids, but this, <laughs> this, <laughs> once we could push a stuck car out, you know? Was this a pickup strategy or just kindness no, just of a, uh, your Altona the, heart? The, the, the you know, small town boredom, that's what it was. Yeah. I Which was driving around anyways, thing. we might as well do something. Good pickup strategy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. For what? The girls Damsels. you've known since you were little kids? Dan- oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah that already enough. had made up their mind about you? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. It's Jeff Braun coming over here as they honestly, slide I'm not out stuck. Of I'm side. not stuck. Honestly, I'm not stuck. I feel like I this can't is believe a plot his finger's not rom- in his nose. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is a plot of a good rom com, Jeff. This should, you should be all over this. There's a good movie coming out. It's not going to be good. It's going to be terrible with Liam Neeson where he drives a snowplow. Have you seen the trailer for that? Mm, no. In Alaska, and he takes out his revenge on a guy, and there's the trailer's hilarious. Oh, where I love anything with Liam Neeson. There's like Neeson. the mob in Alaska, which I don't understand. Doesn't that. make a lot of sense. Yeah. No. And the snowplow is the but tool the, of but death? But there's like three snowplow-related deaths in their trailer, <laughs> oh, which <wow>. are hilarious. <laughs> Reminds me of the, was it The Car from uh, way back, the movie The Car? Oh, was cool. Oh yeah, that's a that's a nasty one. What about you, Kelly? You seem like a good Samaritan. Well, I am, but does it make me a bad person that when I uh, I, I did go out to uh, try to push a couple people, and when I see they have summer tires, I just go, "Oh, sorry." No way. Oh, oh you get God. judgy. Oh, you're helping. Snob. They, they think snob. you're rolling up to help them, but tires. you just give them a lecture and walk away. I don't even. <laughs> I don't even give them a lecture. I just I just say, you know what? Before you kill yourself or somebody driving around in summer tires in the winter. <laughs> Get them changed. Oh, I would wow. give you a serious pants. piece of my mind Sorry, if that's what you pulled up and said to me. Oh, I'm a bad person then. That's fine. I can wow. live with it. Wow. Liam Neeson's just going to... What if they can't... He's going to take a snowplow and just... Yeah. Kelly, what if they can't afford the winter tires or they haven't had time yet or they just got this new car? I just feel like you need to downgrade. With the, with the MPI program, you can still get winter tires pay. for about $15 a month. You still have to pay... $15 a month? Some people don't have $15 a month. Cheaper than a tow truck. Mm, okay. You should just help people without judgment, Kelly. <laughs> That's what I'm trying no. to say. <laughs> You're not no. going to change me. <laughs> no. I was not expecting to hear yeah, that. Let us know morning. what you think of that. 204-780-6868. Kelly Conditional Moore with help. the help laying down the law. Got to revisit this topic that Kelly Moore just dropped, just lobbed a grenade. (laughs) 
About I 10 minutes so, ago. But I don't know. He said that he always helps people, but when he sees people stuck in the snow and they don't have ice tires or winter tires, he, <laughs> he pulls over to more, not lecture them, but just say, you really wouldn't be in this situation if you, he doesn't want to help them. Because they could have helped themselves, I think, was the bottom line. Right? It's almost like a dragon's den. For that reason, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not helping you. I was going to help you. And we were mostly shocked, I think, more because that's Kelly's nature is to help. Yes. To always be the man helping anyone, right? Well, it sounds as though most of you, at least those that have taken time to text us at 780-6868, agree with Kelly. Yeah. One person saying, you know, Kelly's got it right about the whole summer tire thing. Audrey says... Your wear on your summer tires is reduced by your winter tires. So if you're planning to drive your car a long time, the only cost is changing the tires, which should be mandatory here. And then DJ says, good for Kelly. In Quebec, you have to put winter tires on. You are not allowed to drive without them. I I stand correct. I got to be honest, up until like a year ago, no, no, I'm going to, that's a lie. Up until 2019, I was not an ice tire fan, but I get it. Like for eight days now? Yeah, you've for five, eight whole days I've come, come around, around on this. Yes. You got winter tires? Well, we've had winter tires before, but I just didn't really get it. And for some reason, it's clicked for me this year. Like I've noticed the difference when we put once we put them on. Right. And I don't know if I just didn't notice it during the transition. Like maybe they go on before we've seen any inclement weather. And so therefore, I don't notice the difference that they make. But this year, I feel like I'm like, oh. Well, I was... I was uh... Relating to you, last night I took uh, Jackie's vehicle out, which is kind of a sports car. Mm-hmm. We've got winter tires on that vehicle. Took Brendan to his piano lesson. Got out of the bay, no problem. This morning in my all-wheel drive vehicle, I could feel the slipping kind of side to side and had to be a little bit more conscious. So even with the all-wheel or four-wheel drive, I got to tell you, I'm considering putting uh, winter tires. I, I got a new vehicle uh, about a year ago, so it uh, would be an expense and time that I don't necessarily have, but I think I'm going to do it. Yeah, and I, I guess I should probably not tell Kelly that uh, when I got stuck yesterday, <laughs> maybe because I have all seasons on oh, my car. Oh, he's shaking his fist like, Brad? Well, even Kenny yesterday when he was helping to push me out, he said, oh, you got all seasons on here. <laughs> See? I, okay, so the judging's just sort of, it's like a passive-aggressive judging, like as he heaves and hoes to push your car out. Ugh, you get all seasons on this thing. Another texter, couldn't agree more with Kelly, plus snow tires are cost-neutral. Your summers last longer because you don't drive on them all winter. All right. We're the coming head, around. The head, and I, I think about it every year. Uh, it's not something that I'm actively, actively avoiding. I just, I'm lazy, and by the time I think maybe I should get winter tires, it's March. Did you know the Winnipeg Humane Society offers a pet loss support line? I didn't know. Didn't know myself. Yeah, I had no idea. Learned it makes this. sense when you think about it, but it's something you maybe don't know until you're looking for some help. Yeah, I think it's great that they offer this. And we learned this yesterday from Kathy Kennedy in For Hal Anderson Afternoons. I, just, I wanted you to finish that, and I just wanted to realize uh, out loud and acknowledge Hal's going for his hip replacement surgery this morning. So, Hal, if you're listening, all the best today. We're we're with you. Sorry, bud. No, she's going to be filling in for Hal for a little while. And Kathy learned this because her beloved cat, Calum, recently died, and she's having a tough time dealing with his loss. Uh, can, and our condolences uh, to you, Kathy. Mm-hmm. Sorry to hear about this. Uh, he was a good cat, handsome cat. Yesterday, she paid an emotional tribute to Calum after the 2 p.m. news. If you want to hear it, you can go to the audio vault at cjob.com. 
At 2.15, she spoke with Lenore Hume, communications coordinator with the Winnipeg Humane Society, to learn more about their pet loss support line. Society doesn't always offer a grieving pet owner a great deal of sympathy. Um, Those who don't have pets or don't understand the bond that you can have with a pet often have a bit of that, you know, kind of what's the big deal, you need to get over it kind of attitude. Yeah. And loss, loss is loss. If For you, if it's a significant loss, that's what you're dealing with. And the bond that you can have with your pet can be incredibly strong. So it's that the grief that you feel when you lose a pet it can be really overwhelming. Well, and, and there's such a variety of symptoms of grief, uh, Lenore. And, and, and I was talking about hallucinations being one of them. And I see a, a plenty of text messages of people reporting the same thing after the loss of a pet, of, of seeing that pet still in the house. Yes, absolutely. Um, you have such an incredible relationship with your pet. They're one of the family. Um, they're your fur babies. And, um, you know, the, when they leave, it it has a, a long-term effect that comes with those feelings of grief and loss and things like seeing them around or sort of, you know, waking up and reaching for them and them not being there or going to put the food out as you would regularly do. Um, Those things don't just stop all of a sudden. And so you have the emotional challenges of of dealing with that grief and that loss and, and how to sort of stumble through that. And that's where we can help. It's not one of our most popular services per se, but we've really seen an increase in it over the years since it began in 2015 and it is just it's really part of the cycle of life and love and caring for a pet and so if we can offer that we want to. That is Lenore Hume communications coordinator with the Winnipeg Humane Society talking to Kathy Kennedy about their pet loss support line. It's a telephone line you can call if you're dealing with the loss of a pet and you need someone to talk to. Kathy's cat recently died. She's having a tough time. The number is 204-988-8804. Again, that's 988 988- 8804. It's not a live line, but it is checked multiple times a day, so someone will call you back if you leave a message. And she mentioned that society doesn't often give people, you know, the time of day if they're dealing with the the loss of a pet. It's like, well, whatever. It's just a pet. Move on. I I have to be honest that there was a time not so long ago that I was that person because having grown up on a farm, your pets had more of a purpose. They weren't really part of your, part of your life, but not part of your, like they weren't coming to the house and sleeping with you. So I used to be, I was pretty judgy about that. Yeah. Really? What changed? I don't know. I just heard, met more people over the years who had, um, real connections with their pets or talked about them in a way that I also grew to love and, and appreciate their animals. And also just seeing, you know, that shift of, you know, not everybody has kids or, or doesn't even want kids, but their pets might be there are very much their family. So not just the dogs, your best friend, but your family. And so I, there's days where I still like, I won't roll my eyes, but I'll have to stop and think, stop for a second, man. That, that meant something to them. And don't, you don't need to weigh in on whether or not that would have meant something to you. Right. I remember the day we had to put uh, our uh, loyal dog uh, Wrigley down. Uh, the boys were about two years old, and I woke up at 3.30 in the morning. She couldn't breathe, and I knew that the end was upon us and got up in the middle of the night, took her to that incredible 24-hour the Pembina vet on Pembina Highway. And I, I tell you, I, I think I cried more tears that morning than I did the day my mom died. Because I think sometimes you, you're, you're channeling that mm-hmm. as well. I think it was mourning my mom and Wrigley all at the same time. I could barely 
phoned my dad, who Wrigley had started her life out with, and uh, I went to work, and the president of our corporation was in the washroom, asked me how my day was going. Mm -hmm. I told him, he said, you shouldn't be here, man. Really? You need to go home. You need to take the day. Well, you took the day, Brett, right? Like, uh, yeah, I uh, when I had to put my cat down yeah. uh, a couple of years ago, it wasn't even my cat anymore. My sister had adopted Frankie uh, for a couple of years at that point, but uh, I went in with her. Uh, she called me Sunday night and said, Frankie's got to go in, so I need you to, can you come in with me? So I did, and uh, I was a disaster. It was 10.30, I remember calling Greg saying, man, I... <laughs> I don't know how I'm supposed to come in and do a show this afternoon. I am just a train wreck. So can I? Can you go it alone today? And you did. And thank you for that, because other colleagues and I'm not pointing fingers at anybody, but other people might not have been as supportive in that moment. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's tough. So again, that number nine eight 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 zero four Winnipeg Humane Society does offer grief support, and they are there to help you if you need it. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, and Motley Crew. You can call us a Motley Crew. The headline. <laughs> Many do. At CJOB.com. Song on radio kickstarts. $639 speeding ticket for Manitoba driver. Ouch. Greg, what happened here? Manitoba motorist with an ear for hard rock has his musical taste to thank for a speeding ticket. RCMP pulled the driver over after he was clocked doing 145 kilometers per hour in a 100 zone. Now, that doesn't mean... Was this yesterday? I don't... Well, it got tweeted out yesterday. I don't know when it happened. But uh, the RCMP have been releasing these um, lighthearted tweets to sort of... uh, Remind us of of the perils of driving quickly. And stupidity, if and, I may. Yeah, you may. Here's the tweet. This driver's excess. Excuse, pardon me, for going 145. Kickstart My Heart by Motley Crue was on the radio. <laughs> Funny enough, our officer knew he was telling the truth since he was also listening to it. Just a slower, <laughs> safer speed. Fine $639. Hashtag no excuses. Hashtag RCMPMB. Hashtag always got the cops coming after me. Yeah, Love that's, it. that's great. It reminds me, uh, I mean, obviously my speeding ticket was nowhere near close to this, but uh, I was doing, I think, 69 and a 50. I've told this story in recent weeks, actually, but it was just coming over the bridge uh, from Wellington Crescent on to Sherbrooke, and uh, there was a cop sitting just sort of as the at the exit of the, what do you call it, the gates? The gates. That community. Cornish Library right there. And there's, there's like a big pot plant or a big potted plant not a pot plant <laughs> that would be another reason for the cops to be there I suppose but he was hiding behind this big plant and uh, gunned me down as I was going by at 69 because a song by Lincoln Park was on the radio oh. a song called The New Divide by Lincoln Park it had just started up it's got a great great opening it's a good driving song and I just was not paying attention to the speed and for whatever reason that little corridor it's a it's a curve that goes left i always feel like there's almost a slingshot effect mm-hmm. oh yeah mm-hmm. when you go around the corner i used to love driving in the mountains you know, and you'd be driving a manual transmission and you'd downshift from five to four and then to three and then back to four. Give it around the coral. Trying Man. to think of the video game. It was a Super Mario one where you'd go through that like, and it was like a speed zone and you feel like you, you enter that sometime. Through? Super Mario like, Kart. It was that. I can't remember. Yeah. And you'd go through. There's this 
we used to call it that in Toronto when I was living there. Like, let's go through the Mario zone or whatever it was. Because <laughs> you really felt like, oh, yeah, like I'm saving so much time. What's this? Well, like, this, this? This tweet, they put out another tweet last night is a little more serious. Uh, there was a, a RCMP stopped to help a tow truck working on a car in the ditch near Manitoba Highway 206 and Manitoba Highway 311. Turns out they didn't want help. The driver of the car was impaired by alcohol, and the tow truck driver was suspended without vehicle insurance. Both were charged and vehicles towed. So if you want to follow and, and, and learn about the perils of poor driving and, and, and bad driving in Manitoba, RCMP MB, good way to go. Question of the day at cjob.com brought to you by Credit Aid, helping Manitobans get out of debt since 1992. Visit creditaid.ca, call 204-987-6890. Is it okay to swear around kids? And your options are, heck yeah, although it's worded slightly differently on the site, and no way. Those are your choices so far. 57% say no way. Why are we talking about this, Loren? Well, I think th- you were mentioning, Brett, you go to friends' houses who have kids and you feel like you're saying sorry all the time because you might have a vocabulary that's slightly uh, spicier yep. than what they're used to in the house. And so a cognitive scientist, Benjamin Bergen, who actually also happens to be the author of a book called What the F? What Swearing Reveals About Our Language, Our Brains and Ourselves, has done some research and he found that while verbal abuse can be harmful, casual swearing around kids doesn't seem to have any impact on their well-being or emotional development. You have this instinct to not swear around your kids. And I've decided to kind of uh, dig a little bit into the science behind it as well. And it turns out that just the casual swearing around kids, the, the use of fleeting expletives and that sort of thing doesn't have any impact at all on their well-being, on their socialization, on their emotional development, as far as we can tell. Um, we do know that verbal abuse can cause harm, and verbal abuse comes in all, all different varieties, and that can include swearing. It can include the use of slurs, like uh, ethnic slurs or, or um, uh, slurs related to sex or sexual orientation, that sort of thing. Um, and we can track over time how kids who are exposed to abusive language show uh, increases in anxiety and depression, troubles at school, and so on. But just the, you know, the swearing because your hockey team lost in the playoffs or just the swearing because you're really excited that you got the present that you wanted uh, for Christmas. That doesn't seem to affect kids in any way, positive or negative. Or when I stub my toe, for example. <laughs> I don't know. It happens, right? So oh, yeah. why is it that it doesn't seem to impact when you're doing that casual type swearing? Well, he says it could be because your kids just don't want to copy you. So there's pretty good evidence that you're not cool enough for your kids to copy you when it comes to swearing. Um, Kids learn particularly profanity uh, uh, in the classroom from other kids, uh, you know, who are whispering it in their ears. They learn it on the playground. They learn it from older siblings or kids with older siblings. They want to use language. When you think about what profanity is, it's anti-authoritarian, right? It is breaking the rules to use profanity in public. And if you, the the ultimate authority figure, um, for kids are using it, then they don't see it as that cool. They don't see it as that um, anti-authoritarian or as that um, as that uh, defining for them and their generation. And so, yeah, generally kids 
uh, will learn some profane words from their parents, but overwhelmingly they learn it elsewhere. So there's very little risk that they're going to learn words that they wouldn't otherwise learn from you. I don't know. Are you worried about them learning the word or them just like having a poor vocabulary or just dropping it? Like I, I'm not really sure when I swear and apologize for it or try not to swear what I'm trying to prevent overall. Boy, I have so much to say on this. I just don't know where to start. Uh, <laughs> or, or which words to use. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You know, I, I'm a free speaker uh, in our home. Uh, Jackie's a little bit more cognizant of it. And it's interesting that the doctor mentioned the idea of uh, hockey language because Jackie gets very emotionally wrapped up in the Jets and the Bombers when we're watching games. And that's the only time I hear her say certain words. And the boys will sometimes look at her and she goes hockey language hockey language like she gets a free pass Mm -hmm. for it uh, at times like that and for me you know i i'm guilty of using some words a little bit too casually it's got me in difficulty in the past but uh for the most part my kids do understand the difference and isn't it a little bit like the whole conversation around sex around alcohol cigarettes marijuana drugs if it's taboo, it, it makes it almost more interesting. Like you think it tempts them. them? It tempts them, perhaps that they're they're sneaking something behind your back. I don't know. I don't have the answers. I'm just having the conversation with you uh, because I do battle with it, and I know that the, in my house there are certain words that we simply don't use, mm-hmm. and they wouldn't be offensive or even swear words sure. in other people's homes, but yeah. we don't use them. Yeah, no, we're the same, and people would laugh if you heard my kids will be like, oh, like they'll say they heard the shh word and they mean shut up because you're not right. supposed to tell someone to shut up in the house, right? Yep. But I, to this day, if I hear my mom use the F word, which is so rare, it is like nails on chalkboard cringeworthy. Just it just sounds fit. so foreign coming out of her mouth. And she used to have that conversation with us about, it's not about swearing, it's about like, you're you're using it as a verb and an adjective and a noun and right. a pronoun and you've lost your ability to have a decent conversation with good words because you're just dropping in these swears all the time, right? Yeah, but you could argue that that's what makes it such a good word. Or so it's fun. so versatile, <laughs> right? You can use it in any context. Without yeah. question. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm just thinking about this now. I remember when my parents, the odd time that they would drop swears in front of me, I used to feel this fear because they would off, because they would try to not swear in front of us. Usually when a swear came out, it was only because they were angry about something. Mm. Right. And that would often make me think, are they angry at me? Did I do something wrong? And in most cases, you know, my dad would be trying to fix something in the house or he would stub his toe or whatever. Or my mom would drop something in the kitchen and I can still remember. It was a, my mom's favorite was always this. It was a combination of the S word and a P word mm-hmm. and all in one sort of angry flourish. And, uh, and I eventually learned, oh, no, they're, they're not mad at me. So I don't know. I just thought it was funny. But I do remember getting in trouble for swearing. And I would say, uh, I said at the dinner table, well, pointing to my dad, he says it all the time. Yeah. <laughs> what well, did you get? I got a, I, I didn't <laughs> another t- form of discipline. Yes, there was some discipline handed out, yes. shall we say. Yes, because you're not, the rules are so very different depending on who's saying it and when and why and. I'll never forget the first time I heard my grandfather use several words in order that I'd never, ever heard them quite used in that same order, sitting back and going, that was very creative. Very creative, Grandpa. <laughs> he wove a tapestry of obscenity. Oh, the tapestry I need a commercial was break so I can tapestry. figure out what the S and P combo was and what Grandpa Mackling <laughs> used to say. And... <laughs> 
Greg, you spotted this earlier today. Great news for high-risk flood zone homeowners. Yeah, well, the governments uh, of Canada and and provincial governments have been trying to get out of the business of of looking after its citizenry uh, in the situation or in case of major flooding. I don't know if you've noticed over the years uh, advertisements on American television for flood insurance. Well, now it's come to Canada and it's come to Manitoba, even in high-risk zones. And to get some more details on that, Tara Laidman joins us. Uh, she's a flood initiative director with the cooperators. She joins us from, I believe it's Markham, Ontario. Good morning, Tara. Good morning. Thanks for having me today. Well, thanks for taking some time to uh, unpack this for us. So maybe you could just give us the historical historical context of, of what flood insurance has meant in Canada uh, up until the, the last 24 months or so. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you were exactly right. We hear a lot in the States about flood coverage, and it's not until recently that we started hearing about this in Canada. Um, And interestingly enough, until 2015, Canada was the only G7 nation that did not have available residential insurance for overland flooding. Um, So this was an unmet need, and that's what led the cooperators to develop our comprehensive water endorsement. Um, And so we did launch that back in Alberta in 2015, and we continued along and launched in 2016 in Ontario. We've continued to roll out across the provinces in 2018, and we've just released it to both Quebec and Manitoba. Um, And now this is available from the cooperators from coast to coast. What was preventing uh, businesses from doing this in the first place in insurance companies? Like, why why not have this? (laughs) Yeah, that's a really great question. The reality is that flood modeling is very complex. And flood modeling in Canada was really in its infancy up until just recently. Um, Without having really good flood modeling, insurance company, it's very difficult for an insurance company to offer a risk for something if they, sorry, offer coverage for something if they don't understand the risk. So because flood modeling was such in an infancy, it really wasn't being offered. Um, More insurance companies have started to offer it as we've become better at modeling for flood. Um, And uh, so you'll see protection from different insurance companies. Uh, Cooperators, to my knowledge, is the only company who offers this coverage for even Canadians who are at the highest risk. So clients who are beside a lake, a river, et cetera, um, we, do not, uh, we do not limit the amount of coverage or limit our product to any sort of client. So Tara, up until this point, were, were we at the mercy of governments then in terms of what they were going to provide as compensation? Tell us uh, why, why we need this product now. Are governments washing their hands of, of overland flooding issues altogether? Maybe, maybe connect the dots for us before we move on to, to find out a little bit about the offering from the cooperators. Sure. Um, So I can't speak on behalf of the government, but certainly disaster recovery programs are integral after a disaster happens. Um, We would like to see the funding that goes into those to go towards helping Canadians adapt to the risk and to reduce the frequency and severity of future damage and future events. So all levels of government have a really important uh, role to play when it comes to adapting to risk. From our standpoint and an insurance standpoint, it's important for us to provide the insurance solutions that help protect Manitoba homeowners. But then in saying that, you're talking about the homeowner, you provide insurance if they've done things to mitigate the flood and still get overland flooding or other. 
we would provide insurance regardless of if there's been any mitigation efforts on the ha- on behalf of a client. Um, certainly, if there's mitigation efforts that have been put, been put in place, um, clients see a reduced premium to have coverage for this. So who is then eligible for this? Is this for anybody, any kind of property that is beside a body of water? It's for any homeowners across all of Canada, um, regardless of where you are, uh, regardless of what your risk. Um, we do we offer to all high risk areas, um, and we don't we don't restrict coverage. We don't restrict coverage amount based on location or based on your exposure to flooding and your distance to water. Um, again, as a cooperative insurer, we felt compelled to respond to an unmet need for overland water damage. And it's, it was important for us to make the coverage available to clients who were most at risk. What about people who own cottages? So we don't have our product for cottages at this moment. We actually plan on rolling that out in 2019. So this is for homeowner insurance at this time. Wow, it just feels the way you've laid it out and the way you've presented to us. It feels as though this shouldn't have been or should have been an option for so much longer uh, mm-hmm. than, than than basically uh, henceforth here, uh, Tara. So mm-hmm. uh, we're a little bit speechless. So apologies for that because it, it feels as though it's something that should have been available already. Yeah, you know, you're exactly right. And to think that Canada was the only G7 nation not to have this is pretty shocking in itself. So I can understand that it would render you speechless. Well, you say it was because of flood models, which I completely understand. But then if we were also the only G7 nation to not have it, those other countries just had better flood forecasting models or a better insurance program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, you could say that. So from a flooding, flood, flood modeling standpoint, certainly other countries were more advanced. And so Canada's catching up with regards to that now. Um, now that we feel comfort with flood modeling, you know, it's really going to open up the ability for Canadians to purchase this coverage. And again, Canadians who are at the highest risk, because those are, those are the ones that, you know, really need to take a look at this. Um, even for clients who aren't at the highest risk, there definitely still is risk of flooding. If you think about all of the precipitation we've continued to get year over year, um, clients who aren't close to a body of water see tremendous amounts of water that really just can't be absorbed into the ground and start coming in through our, our dwellings. Now, what about uh, for those who uh, get, if let's say you get flooded, governments mm-hmm. often will provide bailouts. So why would you even need insurance coverage? Yeah, I think, again, from a government standpoint, they definitely have, a pro- they have, when a disaster happens, they have a role to play. And again, we would like to see them spending that money on funding towards making sure that our communities are are more flood resilient. So things, for example, in uh, Winnipeg, um, they've done a lot of really great work with the Red River. So the Red River floodway protection, it greatly reduces the risk of flood exposure in the surrounding areas. And so putting money towards that is really what we want to see. We want to we want to continue to see that happen. It's not sustainable for the government to continue to um, give bailouts, as you say. Um, from an insurance standpoint, that's where we come in. That's where we have an expertise, is to be able to provide those insurance solutions to clients. Well, Tara, this is fascinating stuff. One quick question. We have a listener who just is asking about the premiums. Are they then higher in those higher risk areas? Yeah, so from a from a premium standpoint, we do our our so what we do is we have risk based pricing for the flood insurance, um, and it goes down to an individual household, which means that clients who are higher risk do pay premiums more commensurate to their own risk. 
risk. Um, and we believe that that sends you know, the right message in that we want pricing to be appropriate for each risk. So pricing is highly variable. Um, as I mentioned, um, in the specific area of Winnipeg, um, when we're taking a look at uh, average premium, we're looking at around $30 a month for clients. And again, that's an average, um, and certainly it's impacted by factors such as where you live, soil absorption, elevation, how close you are to a body water, amount of precipitation, etc. Tara, thank you for this. A, a ton of information here in just a few minutes of conversation. So thank you. And, and how can uh, people find out more about this product, uh, product offering from cooperators? Yeah, we would love for people to go to our website. We have water.cooperators.ca, and that's available for all Canadians to put in their risk location. So put in your address, and it will actually tell you what your risk exposure is. There's no cost to doing that. Um, We want to educate Canadians so that they understand the type of risk that they have. So if people go again to that website, they will be able to put in their address. It will give them a personalized risk assessment based on where they live that will tell them what their exposure is to overland flooding, as well as to sewer and septic backup. From there, it also tells you where your nearest advisor is. Um, and uh, our advisors, we do have advisor presence in the community of uh, Winnipeg. All right, Tara Laidman with the cooperators. Thank you very much for joining us this morning. We appreciate the time. Just want to quickly break in with uh, some news out of Melfort, Saskatchewan. The driver in the transport crash involving the Humboldt Broncos has pleaded guilty to all charges against him. That's just out a few minutes ago, out of Humboldt. 16 people, of course, lost their life. 13 people were injured. And the driver, Jess Kiret, sings to do pleading, pleading guilty. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global. And on Instagram, at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.